Welcome to the Cheapskate Show, everybody. Today on the podcast, we're talking TVs. Are the cheap models actually any good? What benefits do you get from spending more? CNET TV guru David Katzmeyer is here to answer these questions and more. So if you're in the market for a new screen, don't touch that dial. Plus, the best 16 bucks you can spend to raise your coffee game. I'm Rick Broida, CNET Senior Commerce Editor, but better known as the Cheapskate. Joining me, as always, is my faithful sidekick, the Barney Fife, to my Sheriff Andy. It's Dave Johnson. Hello, Dave. Hey, Andy. I'm given my two weeks' notice. I am running for mayor on a law and order and restocking the fishing hole platform. <laughs> what happened to the fishing hole? It's overfished. Opie is always pulling all the trout out. We got to put more more fish in there, sir. Oh my God, this is terrible. This is this is objectively the worst, dumbest. And I'm taking we've ever done. improv classes. <laughs> I feel so bad right now. Get a refund. Okay, so Dave, today, one of my all-time favorite topics in the whole wide world, and that is television. You, you, you like television, don't you? Oh, God, I love TV so much. When my kids were small, I remember this was long before the modern age of HDTV. I had taken the whole family to the local high-end AV store, and we were looking at those gigantic rear projection TVs. You remember, I think, the rear projection TV I had at one point. I and did. I took the kids there, and their eyes became as big as saucers. They're like, we're buying this? And I don't know. It was probably, what, like a 42-inch TV? dollars. Yeah, it cost as much. They didn't go to college because of that TV. <laughs> and it's probably smaller than the small TV I have in my living room right now. I think your iPad is bigger. Yeah, exactly. All right, so before we dive into that, I just thought let's do a quick check-in here because, you know, we we love ourselves uh, some streaming media. What what do you what are you watching these days? I'm actually rewatching Community. So I don't know if that counts, but I am looking feverishly for a copy of Kick Puncher 2 punch harder on store shelves and i'm not seeing it but isn't it kick puncher too like the kickening or yeah, something? Some, something like that um but i the show that i actually just started watching is the ridley scott show raised by wolves which is a sci-fi show i don't think that is even on my radar where where is that streaming and what is that about it is on hbo and the the premise of the show is it takes place in a post-apocalyptic far future where a robot is raising a bunch of kids, restarting the human race. Okay, I guess, yeah, that does sound familiar. And so far, good? I'm only about two episodes in, but so far I'm enjoying it. And it is very clear that it's put together by Ridley Scott's production company, because for all intents and purposes, this thing could take place in the Alien Aliens Prometheus universe. <laughs> the heavily oversaturated uh, That's aliens the one. Prometheus yeah. universe. So what are you what are you watching right now? So I just finished watching Unorthodox on Netflix, which is all of four episodes long. It's really just kind of a, a, a long, lengthy movie. It was so good. And I have to say that I really wasn't all that excited to watch it. It felt like it was going to sort of be work. But it was way more entertaining than I thought it would, would be. And it was a really deep dive look into – Orthodox Judaism. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm Jewish oh, myself. Oh, so but... this is a documentary of sorts? 
It's not a documentary, although it is based on a, a book, which was, you know, so it's based on a true story, but it's, so I guess it's a, a fictionalized account of that book. But anyway, it was just, the acting was absolutely exceptional, and it was really a very compelling story, like almost like, like an action movie in a way, because there's, I mean, so the basic premise is this young woman is leaving the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community she was brought up in, which is a huge deal not only for her, but the community, and they really kind of pursue her and try to bring her back. And, you know, again, it's just this really great gripping story, highly, highly recommended just to kind of see what, what this culture is all about. And just, I, yeah, we, we loved it. Cool. I'm going to have to check it out because, as you know, I'm Jewish now. <laughs> okay. Now, Dave, you can't just drop something like that into the show without explaining it a little bit. Would you explain that, please? Sure. Well, as you know, I did a DNA test, a 23andMe, not that long ago. And in advance of the results coming back, my mom felt it was necessary to spill the beans that her mom was Jewish and had converted to, I think, being a Moravian, if I'm not mistaken, which is a Protestant denomination, to get married. This is in the 1930s, so obvious reasons why that probably happened. And it was kind of a family secret for some reason for the last 80 years. And so my mom said, just so you know, so you're not surprised, you're going to show that you're Jewish. And sure enough, I'm 25% Jewish, which would be my my grandmother's. Okay, well, so you only need to watch uh, one of the four episodes of Unorthodox. <laughs> yeah, you just text me which one I should watch, and uh, we're covered. That is so interesting, and uh, on, on behalf of, of the um, Jewish people everywhere, I, I welcome you. I welcome thank, one thank fourth you of you. Thank you very much. <laughs> the other three quarters, meh. <laughs> All right, so let's see. Before we get into the big interview with David Katzmeyer, uh, let's do a couple quick housekeeping things. Dave, we have some listener mail, do we not? Oh, I love me some good listener mail. And we have a letter from Crystal Caldwell. She is writing from Havertown, Pennsylvania. Go Havertown. Go oh wait. Go Havertown Cougars. <laughs> are, are we calling out people's hometowns now? Well, if is it's it, in the email, I do. I guess. Okay. <laughs> All right. So she has a question about the Oculus Quest, because you remember we've actually talked about it, I think, two weeks in a row. She had gotten hers last December. The original. Obviously not the Quest 2, because she would have to be a time traveler. And she signed up for an Oculus account at the time. She's saying, will I no longer be able to log into the Oculus because of this whole move to Facebook accounts? You might remember last week we talked about the fact that for the new Oculus Quest 2, you'll have to sign up with a Facebook account to get access to your VR headset. I've got good news, bad news on that front. Very soon, you're going to have to have an Oculus account that goes through Facebook for the Quest 2 when it comes out next week. But if you have an existing headset like the original Quest, you can continue to use it just the way you have all the way through until 2023. On January 1st, 2023, they're going to sunset the old account login system, and you'll either have to get a Facebook account or you can continue to use the VR headset with reduced capabilities. And it's not clear what those reduced capabilities are, but certainly there'll be some features or some games that you won't be able to use anymore unless you get that Facebook account. Huh. Okay. Well, that's good info. So she's basically got two plus 
years before she has to worry about the whole Facebook aspect of it for her original Oculus. Yeah, and two years from now, will you still want to be using a three-year-old VR headset? Maybe, maybe, because it's it's still great, but there might be some other non-Oculus headset that comes along and sweeps everybody off their feet by then. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure the technology is going to get uh, much, much improved by then. But will the Facebook requirements still be there? That remains to be seen. Who knows? The, the planet will probably get struck by an asteroid by then. All right, so one more quick thing before we get to the main event, and this is just a little bit of housekeeping with regard to the Cheapskate blog, which I know many of you visit regularly or you subscribe to the newsletter or what have you. I just wanted to pause and clarify something with regard to the deals that I share there very often and specifically coupon codes and promo codes. Um, I'll give you an example. So on any given day, I might be writing about a set or we might be writing about some wireless earbuds, okay? And such and such earbuds are on sale for, you know, 20 bucks if you apply this coupon that's on the Amazon page and then this promo code and then you, you put those two together and you get this awesome price. Uh, thanks what for happens- explaining how the internet works, Rick. <laughs> I'm explaining for the listeners, dummy. So, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, everyone. If you don't know Dave and I, we, we insult each other regularly. So please don't take offense. So what happens a lot, unfortunately, is that someone will, will see this post and they'll get all excited about this deal and they'll get to the product page and they'll say, hey, there's no there's no coupon here, or they'll get to checkout and the promo code doesn't work. And it's Fake very, news. You lied you, to people, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> or it's or it's a bait and switch. Although I don't know what the, the switching is. Here yeah, I in this think case, that's but... a misuse. Yeah, you're right. We see that all the time, but that's a misuse of the term bait and switch because we're not really switching to anything. It, it is. Um, and and I so first of all, let me apologize for when this happens because it happens often and it's super frustrating. It's super frustrating for you, the reader, and it's super frustrating for me uh, and Dave, the deal writers. The the upshot here is that. Products that are on sale, especially when they're deeply discounted the way a lot of these are, they sell out very quickly. Any given vendor who has a supply of a few hundred or even a thousand of something, by the time it gets around the interwebs, that stuff goes very, very quickly. Another thing that happens, and I just learned this, is that when a particular seller gets low on inventory. So say they had 500 of this headphone and now they're down to 100. Very often what happens is they will pull that coupon or that promo code so as not to sell out. And the reason that they do that is something to do with Amazon's ranking system, but they do this intentionally. Yeah, I found that fascinating. Basically, I think what's happening there is if they do literally sell out, that reduces their reliability rating with Amazon. So they always want to make sure that they have stock, even if they have to turn the deal off. Yeah. And so, again, what happens is that all of a sudden this thing I just wrote about and just published and was accurate at the time is suddenly gone. And so I don't know what the fix is for this. I just wanted to make everyone aware that this happens. This is why this happens and that I'm just as frustrated by it as you are. And I'm doing everything I can think of to help prevent this kind of thing. Now, every single time I'll ask a vendor, how much inventory do you have? So that if I know if they only have a couple hundred, I'm not going to bother sharing it because I, I know it's going to run out quickly. So there's the scoop on that, everybody. Um, 
So I hope you'll take that for what it's worth and be patient when this happens because as regular cheapskate readers know, if a deal is gone, chances are good, very good, it will come around again in the future. I suspect a lot of people grapple with the question of how much to spend on a TV. Can they get by with a super cheap or even medium cheap model? Or will those prove to be disappointing in some way? Our guest today is CNET Senior Managing Editor David Katzmeyer, who spends a lot of time in front of TVs, cheap and otherwise. Welcome to the Cheapskate Show, David. Hey, good to be here, Rick. David, I have been really excited to talk to you, and I'm not allowed to ask you the stuff I want to talk to you about, because I want to talk to you about high-end TVs, but we're on the Cheapskate Show, so I can't really do that. So instead, let's jump in with a question that's kind of sort of about that, that we hear a lot. Now, I can buy something like, say, a 65-inch TCL for 700 bucks or a Scepter for $400. So here's my question. What am I getting if I spend two to three times as much as that for like an LG or a Samsung? Or let's put it the other way. What am I giving up if I go cheap? So I'll start this by saying those cheap TVs are perfectly good for most people. If you're the kind of person who's like, you know what, I just want to save some money. And, you know, I just want to get a picture up, especially if it's in a secondary room or, you know, kids room or something like that. By all means, get a cheap TV because it will produce a, a HD 4K picture. You know, that's going to look great. You're going to generally have pretty solid, you know, performance. Reliability is not a huge thing these days. All those factors, uh, you know, kind of point toward spending, you know, a medium or small amount of money on a TV. But what you're going to give up, Dave, is that better picture quality. So it is visible, especially with HDR, high dynamic range, the thing that is coming out now with a lot of these streaming services. If you have, you know, an HDR TV that's good or, you know, really good, you'll see the pop to the picture, the contrast, better color, things like off angle viewing, uh, you know, all of these things that in a, you know, a less expensive TV can look relatively bad. You know, when you have one of these higher end TVs, you get that extra picture quality. That's the main thing to pay extra for. So let's put all of that in more real world terms, because I'm, I'm excited to hear you say that, that the cheap TVs are are pretty good or, or even just fine for most people, which is me, because, <laughs> you know, I'm not I just can't bring myself to spend like two thousand dollars on a TV. But if I'm if I'm watching, you know, Schitt's Creek or Ozark or, or South Park and just stuff like that, am I really even going to notice that much of a difference between a high end TV and a low-end one, is this is this only for the Mandalorian that we're talking about that this really matters, or is it really kind of across the spectrum? So it is across the spectrum, and, you know, I can give you an example. Uh, any TV show that goes to a relatively dark scene, and you see this all the time, you'll see something called black levels on better TVs, meaning that the black is actually black. With a cruddier TV, that black is actually going to be gray or, you know, uh, somewhere in between that level, that kind of base of black is I kind of consider it like the canvas upon which the, the picture is painted, you know, and that if that is higher and, and, and less realistic, less of black, then the entire picture looks relatively washed out. Now, again, it changes, especially if you're in a very bright room. If you watch in a dark room, you can notice that difference a lot more. If you're in a home theater environment, something like The Mandalorian, sitting down to enjoy that with your family, 
or any movie, honestly. But this contrast, this black level does kind of show up pretty much across the board, you know, especially if you're used to uh, a good black level. And that's that's another thing. You know, if you come from a TV that is really good, uh, you know, and you go to a TV that's not quite so good, you're much more apt to notice. Okay, so I have a question for you, David. Before I get to it, I just have to remark that I find it hilarious that for Rick, the spectrum of entertainment <laughs> options are South Park to The Mandalorian. That That is the entire <laughs> gamut for Rick. Um, uh, I love South Park. <laughs> hey, I'm not judging. Just, just call it the way I see it. So, all right, so David, all that said, what is your top pick right now in the budget category? So in the budget category, I still really like the TCL televisions. Um, the four series is, as Rick knows, a perennial, uh, excellent selling television, uh, you know, $700 for the 65 inch, even less, uh, with the sales coming up this holiday. Uh, you know, you can get a 55 inch for like 250 for the sales. You know, it's crazy how cheap these televisions are. The thing that I like about them compared to a lot of other cheap TVs out there is built-in Roku. So Roku has long been our favorite TV, smart TV operating system. To get that built into the TV without having to spend any more money on a dedicated streamer or, by the way, juggle a second remote for a dedicated streamer, you know, is just money in the bank. So that's why I recommend those TVs, again, as kind of this budget entry level. This is where you can start. Okay, so you're getting so Roku, and I understand that totally because I'm I'm on board with you on Roku. Are there any other specific features for you that pop on on a set like that? Well, they're actually adding AirPlay, which is a big deal. Uh, you know, they didn't have it. A lot of the other manufacturers, including Vizio, which is a competing, uh, especially at the budget end, uh, against TCL uh, with their Roku TVs. So again, if you have a, a Apple device, a phone, uh, even a computer, you can. AirPlay it, uh, put that, put your photos, put, you know, whatever you're streaming on your phone. You can even, you know, control, uh, you know, any kind of screen mirroring uh, on the television itself. That's coming soon to Roku devices. Uh, they announced that, you know, a week or so ago, which is really cool. So, it, you know, they, they that's really what it's all about. It's about having that, you know, superior uh, smart TV system. The real downside to Roku, though, right now is it doesn't have HBO Max. So if you're an HBO Max subscriber... Uh, you want the, you know, the, the extra content on that new, newer streaming service. You're going to have to wait, you know, till they announce it or, you know, go with a different streamer. So let's talk about the TV that we already own. What's the one thing that a person can do to improve their TV viewing experience, whether it's maybe a certain setting that should be adjusted, but it's often overlooked, or even like, is there a TV accessory that you think is a real game changer? So I'll do both of those, Rick. My favorite uh, piece of advice for anybody to make any TV look better is to put it in movie mode. The movie mode is generally the most accurate on pretty much any TV. You'll immediately go, oh, maybe it looks a little dull. But then you'll look at some of the colors and go, wow, that grass is actually green. It's not neon. And, you know, that, that person's red shirt isn't blindingly red because movie mode strives to have those accurate colors. The other thing that it does is it has that the, the best black levels generally of any uh, of any picture setting. So again, it can look a little dim, especially if you're in a bright room. My cure there is if you notice movie mode's a little bit dim, you can just go into the settings and crank up your backlight a little bit. The LCD, all LED LCD TVs have a backlight control. You can turn that up in movie mode and get the best of both worlds, which is a brighter picture to compete against ambient light and that accurate color. Awesome. And was there an accessory that you recommended as well? So I actually really like uh, bias lights. So I'm biased. 
for bias flights. <laughs> um, they're uh, these things that you put behind your television, and the idea is it creates light when there's no other light in the room. So the ideal, you know, viewing situation, as you probably know from going to the movie theater when we used to do that, feels like forever ago, is, you know, a dark room because that allows the picture to shine and not compete against other light in the room. If you have a bias light behind your TV, you can turn all the other lights off and still see, you know, enough to not stumble over the couch when you're when you're getting up. And it actually increases the apparent contrast on the screen. It can actually make up for some of those issues I was talking before, like the uh, the the black levels and things like that on a less expensive TV. Yeah, this is actually something that we've written about a few times because you can now get these LED light strips uh, that will stick to the back of your TV and create this bias lighting that you're, you're talking about for very cheap, like, you know, 15, 20, 25 bucks. So uh, just a semi-related question, is there a particular, would you just set that to, to white light or would you go with a color or which color and why? So uh, if you get a decent bias light, you should look for a color that's uh, warmer, the way that lighting works in general, when they create TVs and, and uh, TV shows and movies in the studio, they aim for, for a standard light, and that's 6500K, which, if you look at it, is, is a little bit redder than your, a lot of the other standard settings on the TV, so a little bit warmer. So look for something that says D65, daylight, uh, the, that warmer color temperature. That's what um, you want in your bias light because that's going to match, hopefully, if your movie mode, like I mentioned before, is accurate, that's going to match your, your TV's light well. Ideally, you want to be uh, in a room that has you know, a gray or, or neutral color behind there. I'm not telling you to repaint your house, but you know, if you want to really go crazy, <laughs> uh, you know, make your living room uh, a nice D65 as well, then you're in good shape. Cool. So, David, I want to bring you into a conversation that Rick and I have on the podcast Pretty frequently, we talk about like what we're watching right now. So I'm curious, are you when you're watching for personal enjoyment, are you more of a movie guy or a TV show guy? And uh, if you're a TV guy, what what are you binging right now? So uh, you're going to maybe not be surprised about this, but first of all, with kids, I, I end up watching a lot of shows that I don't want to watch, like Pokemon. And, you know, <laughs> uh, the best one is, is on HBO Max, actually, with Elmo. It, it, when I have the opportunity to watch myself, when I have some TV time, just me, I generally uh, play video games, Dave. That's that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, so that's you know, a curveball. Was not expecting that. Binging, yeah, I've been binging through the uh, the, the the PlayStation library because I'm a late bloomer on the PlayStation Four. So just finished Last of Us Part Two. I'm playing Jedi Fallen Order right now. You know, and one of the cool things is, you know, in HDR, these video games really do look spectacular, the newer ones. And so I have this, it's almost, you know, it's like a, it's, you get the movie theater experience, you know, you can put these things in game mode. Um, you know, a lot of the better TVs have that accurate game mode. So that's, that's where I go uh, when I have free time. You know, my wife and I like uh, Ozark, you know, there's a few other, um, you know, series that we'll, we'll, we'll watch together. But for the most part, you know, if I have just for myself, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm going to play a game. Great. So uh, our last question for you, and this is really heavy. This is this is a big deal. Dave and I discussed this a while back, but we want you to weigh in on this. OK, so you go to a friend's house and you notice that their TV is exhibiting the dreaded soap opera effect. Do you a do and say nothing? B, say something and offer to fix it or C, wait till they've left the room and secretly fix it without telling them. <laughs> I'd be tempted to do option, uh, the last option, honestly. Um, 
But I, I've had this conversation with people many, many times, as you can imagine. And it's always, for me, option two. The, the honest approach, guys, uh, works wonders <laughs> because then I think, in general, they're going to go, oh, yeah, that does look better. Especially if you're me and you can be like, yeah, I told you it looks better, so it looks better, dude. <laughs> but seriously, if, if you give people the option and let them know that there's actually a setting in their television, they can flip back and forth and they go, maybe, you know, uh, Tom Cruise has uh, something here and, and, and stick with that soap opera effect off if possible. I, I feel vindicated because I believe that was my vote, Rick. <laughs> I think that it's better, you know, you know what's best. So when they're out of the room, you just fix that thing and and you, you can go away satisfied knowing that you've done good in the world. Yeah, and you can paint their, their wall behind their TV gray as well. <laughs> Install some <laughs> bias lighting when yeah. they're not looking. I love it. Oh, man, David, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Anytime, guys. Great to be here. So now it's time for Best Under 20, which is one of my favorite segments on the show. It's where we find a, a product or service that's under 20 bucks, and it's awesome. Dave, this one's all about coffee. Oh, great. Here's, here's a true little story for you. I was at a car dealership yesterday, and there's a coffee machine there, one of those machines that makes multiple kinds of things. So it did coffee, and it did chai, and it did hot chocolate. And so I grabbed a cup. I was like, I could go for some some chai latte. And I put the cup there, press the button, and it just spills out nothing but hot water. So I <laughs> dump the hot water. I try it again, more hot water. And then I give up. It was like, all right, I'll just get the hot chocolate. It's 114 degrees in L.A. today, but I'm going to get hot chocolate. So I press the button. I get nothing but hot water. And then after literally five, wasting five cups of hot water, I look, and there's a big sign on the machine that says, <laughs> note, we're out of chai and hot chocolate. <laughs> Five, it took you five, five cups. Yes, it took me to five cups of hot water to notice that. And so the only thing it could make is coffee, which I don't drink coffee, so I had to pass. So I know you have some sort of <laughs> coffee something. Please at least tell me it makes chai. <laughs> uh, I, I'm still getting over <laughs> the fact that. A, you don't like coffee, which makes you wholly un-American, and B, that it took you five attempts before you realized something was amiss with the machine. <laughs> just just well, picturing you standing there. You're, this is like a Homer Simpson moment where he's just it like, really was. Uh, this time, oh, this time. <laughs> well, the first time I thought, oh, I must have pressed the button wrong. And then the second time I thought, well, may, no, there's got to be something else. I just did it wrong. And then the third time it was like... Well, maybe it wasn't working, but now it'll be working properly. Yeah, it took a while for me to get there. Meanwhile, there's the all the car salesmen are in the back making <laughs> making fun of. <laughs> Look at this guy. He thinks he's getting coffee. Um, okay, so anyway, let's go on to this. This is actually a, a quick preview of an upcoming episode because I have been on a quest recently to raise my coffee game to make better coffee at home and also save money and have less waste. Than I get from my Keurig or Nespresso machine because you know those pods and all the waste. Oh, you're destroying and all the, the earth with those disposable pods, sir. I am. So I'm just gonna like 
this is a quick preview of some of a product that we're going to be discussing on that episode because I discovered this a couple weeks ago and I'm a total convert. So this is the Oxo Brew Single Serve Dripper and. This is just basically this plastic thing. You put a paper filter in it, you dump your coffee in, and then you put it on top of your favorite coffee mug, and then you pour hot water in. That's the end of the thing. It's pour-over coffee, and much to my shock and amazement, the results from this thing are vastly superior to anything I've ever had out of my Keurig. Really? So, yeah. But I mean, like, Keurig has, like, all those different flavored, like, banana lemon coffee and stuff like that, right? <laughs> Uh, it does, and I have tried many, many, many of them over the years, and you know they're fine. They're okay. They're 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 fine. Uh, some are better than others, but this is just like you can you you're really tasting coffee here. You're getting like a good quality, delicious coffee. I've tried different beans that I've ground myself. So that's it. I just wanted to recommend huh. this product to you if you've never tried pour over coffee and you think it's it's complicated or it's expensive or whatever. It's not. So we will include a link to this thing in the show notes, of course, as always. 16 bucks. You'll never spend better money on your coffee. And that's it. We'll talk more about coffee in a future episode. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back next week with more deals and more money-saving advice. In the meantime, you can find daily deals by visiting cnet.com slash cheapskate and following us on Twitter at CheapskateBlog or Facebook at Cheapskate Rick. You can also sign up for deal alerts by texting 415-878-5807. And if you like what you've heard today, even if you didn't, we'd be grateful for a rating or review on your preferred podcast platform. So until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay cheap. <laughs>